Well, good morning to you and happy birthday to the church. I'm excited to be able to bring a message to us on Pentecost uh, uh, Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is always uh, 50 days after Easter. Okay, it's a feast to be uh, celebrated, but it was where the church was conceived in the upper room. And then 10 days prior to that and 40 days after is what we know as the ascension of Jesus Christ. It, not, not the resurrection, but the ascension. Remember, he, he, was, he was crucified. He was buried, put in a grave, and then three days later, on a Sunday morning, he was resurrected. They came to the grave. He wasn't there. But then he started to appear to believers during that period of time. Matter of fact, Scripture says that he appeared to over 500 believers. 500 people had encountered him and saw him in, in a supernatural form, and he appeared to them, and he came to, to bring some more teaching, some more instruction to the church. A very crucial exchange. We say this quite often around here. If we're going through transition, it's kind of like a relay race. When you run in a relay, the most important thing is not, not only that you have the four fastest people on your team. I mean, that's kind of the concept of a relay is that we want to win so you don't put your four slowest out there. But you put your five or four fastest out there. But the fifth deal is, is the exchange of the baton. How you take it in that little window right there. That little window. And Jesus, in all of these, these years, he had a 40-day transitional period that he was really literally commissioning and, and equipping and preparing the church. So once you think about it, I mean, he had been with them, discipling them, training them, and, and they didn't all work that out just perfectly. Matter of fact, you go to the book of John, you find out that, that Peter said, you know what? I'm going fishing. And, and we always kind of lay that one on Peter, but you know what it says? And everybody afterwards said, we're going also. So leadership, watch where you go. Watch what you do. You can lead people into the wrong direction. Remember, they had been called out three and a half years earlier and said, I'll make you fishers of men, not just fishers of fish. But they went back to what they had been employed in. And so they went back there. And, but in that transitional period, Jesus is trying to transition uh, to the new believers, these 500 people, the church. He's trying to give them the concept of what he came to build, of what he came to birth. I mean, the church is the offspring of Jesus. Amen. David said he was the root and the offspring. Okay? Uh, David was in the lineage of Jesus. But yet David even knew that he had to be the offspring of Jesus because Jesus was the first fruit. Jesus is the first fruit. He's a, he's a resurrected one. He's the atonement for all sins. And here he comes, and he's trying to birth a church. Matter of fact, we know this also, that the church becomes the bride of Christ. Amen? Amen. And the church ought to continue on the desire of the one, who, the one who birthed it, the one who brought it into, the one who initiated it. We ought to carry out his dream. I don't know if you've ever been to certain places that historic people or famous people, well-known people have, have founded something, originated something, and then when they pass, another generation, another group of people take over, and it's not as good. Have you ever seen that before? They just kind of lose the vision, and they don't think it's important to have coleslaw anymore. And then people have to protest to get certain sauces to come back. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And Gretchen and I have visited the 
Henry Ford Museum. If you ever get the opportunity uh, for your intellectual experience and inspirational experience, go, go. It's in Dearborn, Michigan. An amazing, amazing experience. And we went there, and, and I kept wondering, why is this thing so effective and so good and, and so inexpensive and so, I mean, it's, I, I was just blown away, blown away. And I've been to other amusement parks, won't even give them the honor of mentioning their name, nothing compared to this, nothing. And then I started finding everywhere, we stuck with his vision. We stuck with his plan. We stuck with the reason and the motive and the, and the vision, and, and they stayed with it. And through all these years, even though he's deceased and no longer there, the vision of Henry Ford still lives on. We need to make sure that the vision of Jesus Christ still lives on. That is our number one responsibility, that the church reflects, the church portrays, the church brings about the concept of Jesus Christ. What does Jesus Christ want the church to be and to perform? Well, if you take your Bible with you this morning and hold it in your hand, let's honor this and welcome this to speak to us this morning. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can be who it says I can be. I will be who it says I can be. It was written for me, for my correction. For my direction and my soon coming resurrection. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share a message with you this morning that I would entitle The Promise of the Father. Not the promise of a father. I know that in my own life of 30 years of parenting, that I've made promises that I was not able to keep, I wasn't faithful to keep, I wasn't present to keep, I know that. I tried to the best of my ability at any one of those moments to go back and apologize because I know this, that I'm building a mindset, an imagery of what a father is to them. And I know that ultimately my goal is to release my children, is to release my children to their father. Ultimately, not to continue to manage their life and control their life and expect them to do what I did or what I do, but to release them into what God has for them to do. Comes a period of time. God even released his own son and he trusted him. Trust him for 33 and a half years on this earth, released him. And he had it in his heart. It wasn't a controlling image, but it had it in his heart to honor his father. To honor his father. To keep the vision in the plan that God had for earth. For you and I. But his ministry came to a close. And he said, I have something to share with you. It's the promise of the father. I want you to get the promise of the Father. I've noticed throughout the years that there's a lot of church that takes place that doesn't want anything to do with Acts chapter 1 or 2. Nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, they might even preach against it. 
They might even say that it doesn't exist today. Friends, that's like canceling culture. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something up straight. I've told you since the pandemic and even before, don't point your finger at the White House. It's the church house. There's been a cancel culture in church for years. What are you talking about? Oh, we tried to cancel out Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled. We tried to cancel out the upper room experience. We tried to cancel out things like tongues, prophecies, healings, signs and wonders. We try to cancel that out. There's been a cancel culture in the church for years. For years, thankfully, just in the last 20 years or so of my recognition, if you went back 20 years ago, you'd find predominantly white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, and Asian churches. You would find segregation in the church. Find them in the church. That's why we desire to be a multicultural, heaven-reflecting church. That you can walk through this room right now. And you say, well, well, there's more white people. Well, friends, more white people live in this community. But we reflect the demographics of our community. We reflect that. We're trying to reflect heaven. We're every tongue, tribe, and nation. Friends, I'm here to tell you, usually the one that has the problem is the one that will have the answer, if there's a problem. If our earth and our land and our nation and our time that we live in has a problem, and the church has problems, the church is going to be the resolving of those problems by getting things right. We need to get corrected. The word is written for me. Yes. For my correction. Oh, no. For my direction. I don't know. For my resurrection. I hope so. But we need all three parts. Amen. And so let's be open to this. I've come to find out in these these 20 to 30 years past is realizing that some people have settled with and been satisfied to live with a church that has no baptism or outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All that tells me is what we preached about last week is that some people have been deceived. Or we've settled with a humanistic theological church that denies the power of God. The Holy Spirit, I know he's an almighty God, but the Holy Spirit manifests the power. After you, that's, that's the passion of the baton. After you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power. Power. I'm going with the teachings of Jesus. Going with the teachings of Jesus. Sometimes we jump to conclusive matters without going back to the origin. We may not be at the final destination. Sometimes we pick up bits and pieces but never get a whole puzzle. Jesus originated... Nothing in the source of what we predominantly talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit about. He said, no, you shall receive power and be a witness. That's predominantly of what he said. Matter of fact, that's basically, matter of fact, that's verbatim. 
what he said. Trying to get you up to speed. Friends, we do not want to settle with a human-driven, theological, ideological church. If the church began with, it must finish with. He's the Alpha and the Omega. We need to be a church that believes what we sing and desires what we sing. It will be our collective hunger that will determine the measure of our revival. How hungry are we for God? I understand some have taken this type of teaching and have manipulated it, abused it, and overrun it. And they've made a mess and run a ruck with it. It's a mucky mess in some Pentecostal, spirits-filled, charismatic churches. Matter of fact, here at the well, I'll be straight up with you. For 15 years, our years included as with the rock, many people said they're not Pentecostal. Many people said they're not charismatic enough. But I also knew that God said start to work. And when you rush into everything too fast and too quick, nothing good happens fast. Nothing good happens fast. And you say, well, that person was healed immediately. 38 years of infirmity. 12 years of an issue of blood. Good things take time to grow. First, they grow without being seen. I'm a gardener now. I read a scripture this past winter. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. I thought, I'm going to join the club. If that's what's going to be happening, because nothing else is promised, I'll go with what's promised. I will always have a dill pickle to eat. You can have all your chips you want. I get the original. But when I plant that seed, it first grows unseen. It grows deeper before it grows taller. When's it going to come up? When's it going to come up? When's it going to come up? Don't hurry it. Don't rush it. Let it get rooted. Most things that grow fast and happen fast have no root. I've seen it in altars. I've seen it in ministry times. People get this, get this, and then also, where, where'd they go? They have no root. They're not grounded. They're not established. They had an encounter. They had an experience. Friends, we have historical evidence. 500 people he appeared to saying, I want to give this to you guys. And then they, they started going with it, and they started to mess up, and they said, get back over here, boys. Come on over here. Sat around the campfire. He said, this is what you need to do. He said, you need to first feed my lambs. Feed them. He said, then you need to tend to my sheep. And then you need to feed my sheep. We need to go from birthing, conceiving and birthing. We need to go into training and discipling. We need to go into releasing and bringing them also into meat and not just milk. Amen. It's a process. That's what he told. That's what, and through John, that's what he told Peter. When Peter started to get off track, he said, no, get back over here. This is what you need to do. You need to be faithful to this. Don't try to rush the process. Amen? So in Acts chapter 1, they've read it to you on different occasions already this morning, which I think is very appropriate. In Acts chapter 1, picking up in verse 4, 
and being assembled together with them, that's where you and I are right now, he commanded them to, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Will you repair the governmental issues that are going on here? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Hmm, interesting. Not to say that he's not going to. That's not what you need to be focused on. That's not what you need to be governed by. That's not what you need to be inspired by. You don't need to be as much as a fight into the political realm as you do the kingdom of God. God is a God of restoration. I was seeking God this week, and the Lord spoke to me clearly, definitely spoke to me. He said, Greg, I will reveal to you seven, seven aspects of the revival, not a revival, and we could study a revival, and then when it comes, hopefully we can, we can scrutinize it and see if it is. No, he's saying there will be a revival. We've talked, I already declared it to you, we've talked a revival of truth. Friends, the truth, there must be a love for the truth. We talked about that even last week. A revival of revelation. Listen to me, that is very important. Apocalypse. When I say that word, you immediately think Armageddon and you think battles and wars. No, no, it's the revealing of the spiritual aspect. Amen. The spiritual life of what is going on. The word apocalypse is literally the word in Greek, revelation. Revelation is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. One of the church's weakest efforts ever to, to convert or to, to uh, uh, bring an influence in a nation has just been revealed to us in the last year. Because the church is afraid if they pray, reveal deception, reveal dishonesty, reveal immorality, reveal all these things that they're talking about but nobody can uncover, the church has been afraid to pray it. Why? Because if we pray for somebody else, to have a revealing or an exposure. We're afraid it's going to happen to us too. We shouldn't have anything to be afraid of. Amen. We should be under the blood of Jesus Christ. We should be practicing righteousness, not unholiness, not immorality, not deception, and not pride. So as soon as he gets the church undressed of all of her unrighteousness, She'll be able to step in his righteousness and pray the prayers that the church is now starting to pray. And you're starting to see even politically, nationally, culturally, you're seeing an uncovering. It's the apocalypse. My friends, it may not look like what you thought 20 years ago would look like in Armageddon. You might be living in the greatest spiritual warfare battle there's ever been before. And for some reason, he enlisted you and me. He enlisted a church who's going to fight a spiritual warfare and win a victorious battle for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We will triumph and not fail. We will win and succeed. We will be more than conquerors. We will be overcomers by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. But never, ever has the powerless won and been victorious. There's a portion for us. The blood cleanses us. 
There's power in the blood to be worked upon you. And once the, word, word, uh, the blood is worked on you, you can use the blood and apply it on others. Have you ever met somebody before and they tell you about a product and they say, oh yeah, you can use it. Have you ever used it? No, but I heard you can. Not going to help much. Or then there's that person that, uh, that has used a product and you go to use it, it doesn't work and it didn't work for them either. But you want to get involved with a product that works. And somebody who has seen it work in their life. Friends, the sooner we let the blood of Jesus Christ work in our life and the power of the Spirit of God work in our life, it will work through our life. We'll have a confidence to, to apply it in other people's lives. He said, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? He said, it's not for you know the times of the seasons. Verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He did not say that you'll be superstars to the church. He said, you'll be a witness to me. What, what I have you to do, what I'm calling you to do, should bring glory and honor to me. He said, you shall receive power. Again, a powerless one never is a victorious one. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Friends, the only victory we're going to find is through the spirit of the living God. We must embrace the scriptural basic foundations of the spirit of God empowering the church of God. The Great Commission, perhaps you're familiar with it. Maybe you've heard it mentioned before. Go ye into all the world, all the earth, to every nation. Preach and teach. Teach them to observe whatsoever I command you. Disciple them. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The very teachings of Jesus. This is still connected to that exchange transitional point. There's something that's going on in the transitional moment that is spiritual and unseen. Somebody is getting ready to release into somebody else something they've been carrying. But your eyes are already on the one who's getting ready to take it and run with it. In his transitional period, there is two major ordeals transitions that need to take place. One was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The other was emphasized, go preach the gospel. Take it to the world. Friends, the church fails miserably at both of those. We take the Holy Spirit as this is a personal empowerment and a personal blessing, and, and it has that aspect to it. But it's something to empower the church. It's something to empower us to be witnesses to and of Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Great Commission are meant to be connected to one another. The Great Commission has direct connection to the great outpouring. And the next great outpouring must have a direct connection to the Great Commission. No longer 
Is he going to bless or let us think we're being blessed by being a spirit-filled church and having a spirit-filled atmosphere with no, no direct connection or outsourcing of the gospel of Jesus Christ outside of the doors? They're connected. What, I guess what I'm trying to say to you is until we start going out and preaching the gospel, not them, we. Not them, we. Well, they're an evangelist. No, you need to understand somebody evangelist. Evangelist is meant to equip the saints. That's why they have the office. But we should all be evangelistic. I'm going to get a better amen next time I say that. So quit pointing at the evangelist. Well, that's them. That's their personality. It might be the most thunderous thing when somebody who it isn't their personality, the spirit of God overcomes their personality and the power of God. They pray for somebody. They get healed. They get saved. They get delivered. They get born again. Whatever it may be. Matthew 28. 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them. And you need to understand where this is. This, this is after the resurrection. This is in the appearing time. These, these are the very teachings and words of Jesus Christ. And listen to me. If you don't have a heart for people to get saved, most likely your heart's not saved. That's right. Bottom line. If God so loved the world and you don't, something ain't right. Something's not right. Church isn't just a checkoff. It's a live out. You know the problem with being deceived? When you're deceived, you don't know it. Only the truth will set you free. Is God employing me? Yes. Yes, he is. He's calling us forth to be more evangelistic in our arts and our trades and our talents and our business. Anything that we do. You don't have to go stand on the street corner and preach. Take the word preach and just think about reach. How can I reach them with the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ? That Jesus saves. You don't have to be a preacher, but you have to preach. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, so a lifestyle change, and lo, I'm with you always, even, listen, even to the end of the age, amen. Do this with authority is what he's saying. This is in the appearing transitional time. Mark 16, 14 through 20, later he appeared to the 11 and they sat at a table and he rebuked their unbelief and the hardness of the heart. So they're in one of the most spiritual awakening times ever. There's a resurrected person who died for their sins and are still dealing with unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Listen, if we can't believe others what God's doing in their life, others probably won't believe what God's doing in our life. Amen? And these signs will follow those who believe. He said, he who believes is baptized and saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. This is the ascension. This is during that 40-day period, 40 period there that he had been from the resurrection to the ascension, and this is what he's teaching them. He said, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. 
And they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them, confirming the word through accompany signs, amen. First things first, we start preaching, we start teaching, we start going, he starts showing, he starts doing, he starts performing. He said, I will work with you in signs and wonders. Do this, and I will do signs and wonders, is his instruction. Luke 24, 44 through 49. So we're told, do it with authority. We're told, I'll do it with you. Luke 24, this is how Luke, the doctor, the one who makes diagnosis and prognosis and prescriptions, amen? Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the laws of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. Friends, there is a spirit revival of revelation. I speak that over you today, that he will open your minds that you might comprehend. Well, if he opens it, why would it be might? Because you still have the determination as to whether you're going to receive it and accept it or not. And whether you're going to embrace the word as truth or not. He said that he opened their minds, and I speak that over you, a comprehension of scriptures. Yes. Notice that the word scripture here is capitalized. This is the very word of God. It represents, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a description of Jesus himself. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. What he's saying is, all of his promises are yes and amen. I'm introducing this promise to you, but listen to me. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. Don't be anxious with it. Don't rush this thing. Make sure you don't miss. Don't just go and evangelize. Get anointed as you're appointed. Okay? You need the Spirit of God upon your life. Here's what happened on this day 2,021 years ago. Have you ever find those things in your news feeds or uh, you find it, you know, a show something? Here's what happened on the radio. This is what happened this day. And you're like, oh my goodness, I wonder what that was like. Have you ever had those moments? Like Charles and Di getting married or something? Have you thought that way when you read the Bible? Oh, you've thought it about something. Because there's certain aspects of history we're all attached to. My parents got married on this day. <gasps> the church was conceived on this day. <gasps> when the day of Pentecost had fully come, you want fullness? You need to learn how to fully wait upon it. Don't rush it. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, friends, we need to understand something about our God. He's an omnipresent God. The word omnipresent means he's everywhere all the time. He's everywhere. You say, well, I don't sense him where I work. 
It's amazing how many people want to leave where they work because there's not enough Christians at work there, and maybe God appointed them there so they can become some Christians there. Right. just did. Here's the deal. We, we have a tendency to want it to be the way we want it to be instead of the way he wants it to be. He puts us in places that need Jesus. That's why we are there. And when he brings us to this place, he wants us to have the spirit of life. He wants us to have the word of life. He wants us to be a light to all men. And the scripture says that light is life. And suddenly there came a sound, a mighty rushing wind, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So he's everywhere all the time, but we don't always notice that's where he's at. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The glory of the Lord covers the earth. He is always there. That's the omnipresence of God. What you're getting ready to be introduced to is what you ought to desire, the manifested presence of God. The omnipresence of God isn't always evidence, uh, yet but by faith. But the manifested presence of God is a concentrated, concentrated work of God that is penetrating into one altar, one person, one city, one church. All of a sudden, he just starts to, to dial in, and boom, something happens. And that's what's happening. There was, there was a sound that came from heaven. And the best way they could describe it was like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It was not a mighty rushing wind because outside there was not anybody saying, there goes my tent and, and there, goes, there, there wasn't things blowing around. It was not a storm. It was not a hurricane nor a tornado. What's happening here is the manifested presence of God. Now, why would it be like the wind? Because the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. God was blowing on that upper room. We want God to blow on our church. He said, listen, son, they may have been able to take the wind out of your sails, but they cannot take the breath out of your God, and I will blow again. I'm telling you, God is going to blow on his church, and he's going to blow on this earth in a way like we've never seen before. It will be greater than, it will be more effective, more demonstrative than any and all hurricanes and tornadoes put together. Because he's greater than. I'm telling you, anything that you've seen in seemingly biblical proportions or a, a measurements bigger than you've ever encountered before and you're wondering what in the world is going on, just you wait and see. Just you wait and see the move of the church like you've never seen before. I'm not talking about people just coming to church. I'm talking about the church going to people. So they're having a manifested experience of the presence of God. They started to begin to speak with tongues, with other tongues, as the Spirit gave, as the Spirit, not as some preacher, not as some teacher, but as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's not a person in here who can baptize another person in the Holy Spirit. If they have, their theology and their doctrine is missed. 
Jesus is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Can he, through somebody's prayers and somebody's ministry, absolutely can be attached. You have not because you ask not, but he's the baptizer. Amen? That ought to get a, a, just an affirmed amen. Yeah, but it's amazing the, 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 the nature of man that just wants to resist and be Jesus. And just wants to be the, the king, wants to be the ruler, wants to be the one. Friends, this is not so that we can be notified and we can be recognized. Excuse me. It's not, that's not the reason for this. Look at my ministry and look what I've done. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, listen to this, devout men from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together, were confused. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language which we were born? Friends, the most important thing we need to point out here, the restoration of all nations. Yeah, see, that's not even exciting. We want to debate and talk about tongues. We want to talk about how supernatural it was that somebody said something. Friends, God's supernatural. Come on. Why do we have to try to prove him through man? Just let him be God. If he wants to speak a language to me that is a language that you were born with, that's the only language you know, and he speaks, to God be the glory. What is he trying to do? He's not trying to make us tongue talkers. He wants to restore the nations. What nations? Every nation of the world. For God so loved the world that if you were the only one left here, he would have saved you. I mean, that gospel has got to move. He loves the world. He loves every nation. Every people. He loves the Muslim as much as he loves you and me. You know what America's problem is? Pride. We're one nation under God. The love of money is the root of all evil. We think we're better than. We think we're more than. That's why there's such controlled chaos inside of America. Because they have truths they can work off of. He wants to restore the nations. What nations? Every nation. Do you remember Babel? The Tower of Babel. Remember what it says here? It said that all of a sudden they realized they're confused. They weren't confused until they heard the things of God. It's taken them right back to their origin. He confused them with different languages. He confused them with different languages. And also now he's speaking to them in that dialect because he's restoring them from confusion to understanding. They're bringing them back to the understanding that they're the people of God. Friends, the one nation that we ought to be included with is the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. I'll start to close this up. And it came to pass, and in the last days, this is verse 17 of Acts chapter 2. And it came to pass in the last days, says God, that he promised prophetic fulfillment. This revival and this promise of the Father is prophetic fulfillment. He said it to Joel. Now Peter's saying, this is what God said. You and I need to embrace and accept that what God says is a promise and he is able to keep his promises and he will fulfill his prophecies over your life, over your children's life, over whoever's life it's been spoken to. He said that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters. Aren't you happy that God's not a, not a racist God? And if you have racism, Something may be right with you and God. Yes. 
That's just bottom line. Let me tell you, blood all has one color. Breath has no color. And the spirit is not of a nation and not of a tribe and not of a race, but he is of unity. We ought to be able to unify ourselves, not by the ploys and the screams and the yells of other nasty things that are going on in this world that should not be happening. And listen, racism can go one way to the other, friends. One way to the other. But we should be one in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. He said, your young men, that's me, will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. He said, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Not possibly can. They shall. And on my men's servants and my maidservants... You know, if you're inside there and you describe any of that and you go, uh, the, the children and, and, and the young men and the, and the fathers, this is all prophetic revelatory life. It's a revival of revelation. Listen, if I told you the vehicle you just bought for me runs off of gas, you better put gas in it. If I told you the truck that you bought from me it runs off diesel, you better put diesel in it. If I told you that the, the vehicle you just bought for me runs off of electricity, you better pump it up with electricity. And if he says this is how the church is going to work, then we better get more dreams and visions and revelations, friends. We better, we better have a revival of... Re- no, no, no. You need to hear me. You need to hear me because it's going to be like the days of Noah. It's going to be like the days of Noah. And if you don't have an ark built and you don't hear the voice of God and you don't get divinely warned from God, don't you come running to the preacher. Don't you come running to your neighbor. They may say, you better go buy your own oil. I hear his voice coming right now. You better know what to do with your family. All of them need oil. All of them need oil. One church may rev it this way. Another church may rev it that way. Rev is a a nickname for revelation. One preacher might carry this. One house might be gifted this. But they all need oil, friends. They all need oil. Men servants and maid servants. Uh, so so the, the children and, and the sons and daughters, the young men, the old men, I want more. Amen. Well, they become a man servant or a woman servant. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. And don't try to tell God you can't use pronouns of women and men because you're going to eliminate somebody. God created man and woman, friends. That's what God created. He knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He knew you. He's got extraordinaries. Aren't you happy that somewhere along the way, Mother Mary didn't go, I think I'll be a boy. Oh, it can mess some things up. I'm here to tell you, it can mess something God has planned for your life also when you try to redirect the plan of God. Oh, I'm not getting political. I'm getting real. If we don't preach the truth, we have nothing but a lie. He has promised another great outpouring in those days that will be in these days. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Isn't it amazing how many vape shops are showing up? Don't go with the invitation, my friends. You say, where did all that start? Churches using smoke machines, trying to look like the glory of God. Friends, if it ain't the Shekinah, I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want an imitated work of God. I don't want a dramatized work of God. I want the real thing. 
He said, the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Well, I sure did like all the good stuff he was saying there. Well, friends, there's going to be bad stuff too. In these days, there's going to be a mixture of both. Amen? Listen to what he says. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to tie in something that Joel said uh, that that, uh, Peter did not say here. And out of Mount Zion shall come great deliverance. Great deliverance. Friends, there's going to be a mighty sovereign move of deliverance. From unclean spirits. From oppression. From depression. From deception. From bondage. A great deliverance. He is a deliverer. Gretchen and I were at an event just last night. And and, and something occurred and something happened. It was at a public event. And the Spirit of God, I was getting ready to leave. He said, don't leave. Don't leave. And something happened in that moment. But the moment when I got over there and others, we gathered around and prayed, it reversed what was taking place. Freedom, healing, deliverance. It's what he does. He has promised there will be signs, wonders, and miracles. Now, when they heard this, have you ever found yourself in the Bible? Or let the Bible find you where you should be? Remember what Jesus said, where's the other nine? Where are those who have ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church? Isn't it amazing you can come to church hour after hour, week after week, and sit there and never phase you? Hear nothing that will employ you, convict you, convince you, change you, call you, remind you? You have to ask yourself in times like that, where am I? What am I doing? Is my head stuck in the sand? Or is my head stuck in me? Is my head stuck in this world? Now listen to this. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Friends, they were pierced with conviction. In this great outpouring, in this moving of the Holy Spirit, this renewal of the baptism of the Spirit of God upon the church, not just upon an individual, but upon the church, there will be great conviction. People will be cut to the heart and want to know, what do I need to do? Not, what can you do for me? Then Peter said to them, "Uh, repeat this prayer after me. I think the word repeat replaced the word repent. God forgive us. Oh, man, I want to break out bad right now. No, 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 no. Repeat this prayer after me. Repeat this prayer. Repeat this prayer. Peter said, repent. Peter didn't say, they haven't written Romans yet. Well, why Romans? The Romans were the salvation. We got all these little gimmicks to go to. All these tracks and all these other things. He said, no, no, you need to repent. You need to repent and be baptized. You need to, like, like Tiffany did, change your life. Turn it around. Follow you like Jason did. 
like Cody did, like John did, like Carson did, like Dylan just did recently. You, you need to just turn around and quit living down here and start living the high life through Jesus Christ. You need to start deciding, I'm going to be who God created me, not just satisfied and have a little token or an insurance card in my wall that says, I repeated a prayer after somebody 25 years ago. Nowhere in the Bible. Oh, I've done it numerous times. I'm not taking myself off the hook. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, repeat this prayer after me. He taught him to pray. Then Peter said, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You see that remission of sins, it's a very important word to us in the medical realm. I mean, it is as if the most exciting, relieving news there is. We celebrate it. We rejoice it. It's gone into remission. Just as it has gone into remission, we need to go into remission with our sin. Just like the cancer is no longer eating away or active in our life and destroying our life and bringing death to parts of our life and possibly getting ready to take our life out, we need to quit sinning, not say, I got saved, now I can keep sinning. Now I can keep lying, I can keep cheating, I can keep cussing, I can keep drinking, I can keep smoking. Now, if you don't want it to have an effect on your life, you got to go into remission. He said, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You need to dunk it. You need to bury it. You need to plant it and wash it away. For the promise is to you. Listen to me. For the promise is to you. If you don't repent and be baptized, as the promise is to you and to your children, If you don't repent and be baptized, the curse will still be to you and your children. What he's getting ready to promise us here is generational blessing in place of generational curse. No, you won't be saying my child's over there somewhere because of your repentance, because of your conversion. The promise, the Holy Ghost can go after them. The Holy Ghost can touch them. The Holy Ghost can convict them. And they can be cut to the heart by the preaching of the word of God. And they will stand up with the rest of the church and say, what do I need to do? Not do what my daddy need to do or my mommy need to do. What do I need to do to be born again? Friends, you need to understand this blessing, this promise can release generational blessing on your family. We can turn it around. He can restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the father. He can repair all those marriages that you stand for. He can heal all those broken and all those cursed relationships. He can restore households. He can bring them home. Listen to me. Listen to me. You want it on a silver platter? He sent it on a splintered cross. It's not going to be catered to you. It's going to come with a sharp knife, not a pie server. You ever try to cut something with a pie server? Friends, you need the Word of God to cut your heart, to be born again, to repent for your sins. Listen to me. Our children are dealing with what we haven't dealt with. I'm going to say it again. Our children are dealing with 
what we haven't dealt with. And Peter said, repent. He said, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll have power. If you have the Holy Spirit, you'll have power of that sin in your life. For the promises to you and your children and to all who are far off, as men as the Lord our God will call. Maybe you've said it. I know I've discussed it before. Man, if in the 50s, if in the 60s, if they would have kept prayer in the schools, come on. They would have kept saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, I was talking about a generation before. Listen, quit looking at the fruit and saying, you are sorry, rotten, low down, no good. You're our problem. Pull your pants up, change your language, cut your hair, whatever it is. We're always looking at the fruit. Fruit only reveals a root. Friends, we can transplant today. We can get the church rooted back in the Word of God. We can get the church rooted back in the Spirit of God. We can get the, tr- the, the, the church rooted back in truth. We can change generations to come. There'll be great conviction and repentance. He has promised a generational blessing. My last verse, verse 47. Praising God. Oh, it's going to be a house of praise. I said it's going to be a house of praise. When you pray, when listen, when you preach, you reach. When you praise, you raise. Not too difficult. Praising God, listen to this, and having favor with all people. I, I know this. I get this. You're like, I don't know about these end times and these difficult times. I just got a promise. <laughs> I'm going to have favor with all people. Even your enemies, oh, yeah, I'm going to bless them. And if I bless them, I'm going to get a blessing. Kingdom of God is going to work. The principles are going to work. I mean, you know, you, you've, you've trusted it for 40 years, 40 hours a week. I clock in, I get paid for what I clock out. Friends, you clock into the Word of God. You tap into it, you're going to get the benefits of the Word of God. Amen? Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So what did He promise? He promised favor with all people. He promised church growth. He promised there'll be daily salvations. That's the God I want to serve. That's the church I want to be. Amen? That's the church, listen to me, we're going to be. We can be who he said we can be. We're going to be who he said we're going to be. Amen?